How's it going, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast, and I'm here with an old friend, Juan Carrillo. How we doing, Juan? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you, man? I'm doing very well. Thank you. So let's dive right into it, man. So we met, shoot, probably, I think it was 2011. I just moved to Indianapolis to work with the Indiana Invaders Professional Running Club, and you were one of the athletes on the team. I was, yeah. I was an 800-meter athlete, 800-1500, so middle distance. Um, that was my concentration. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I actually got there in 2009, so two years before you got there. And, gotcha. Um, but, yeah, those, those were the glory days back in the day. <laughs> so long ago now. Now I cannot even... I cannot even run the easy runs with my guys that I coach. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how out of shape you get. And old, too. It just it catches up with you, man, and you just can't can't move like you used to. You can't move. I learned that the hard way that my stride changed completely, mm-hmm. my form. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so it's uh, – it, but, you know, it, it's fun to watch my guys, you know, get better. Uh you know, when they come in as freshmen and when they leave as seniors and see how much they improve over over four years. For sure. So uh, so you coach at Bowling Green? Uh, Bowling Green State University. That's in uh, Ohio. Correct. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's my old stomping grounds, Ohio. That's where I'm from. Yep. So. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, your personal background. Um where you're from, where you grew up, what got you into running, and yeah, just your your whole life story. Yeah, so uh, I, I was actually born in Mexico, uh, in uh, Central Mexico. Uh, came to the U.S. when I was 13 years old. You know, I didn't I didn't speak a I didn't speak a word of English at that time, so everything was everything was new. It was shocking to come to a new country, new language, new school, um, and uh, you know, Destiny brought me to uh, join the track team at a high, at the high school level, and uh, uh, you know, I think I I had it from the beginning where uh, uh, I didn't like it that much, but I was good at it, and I just kept I, I just kept doing it because people told me I was good at running. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think over the years, you know, I I began to have a love and a passion for the sport, which you know that's you know crazy how things work you know something that you don't like you didn't like at one point now it's like your life (laughs) Um, it's funny how that happens yeah (laughs) and you know competed in high school uh went to college at lewis university which is uh you know just a small division two school uh outside of chicago Mm. and then um from Lewis, uh, decided to do the post-collegiate, uh, you know, career, running career. And uh, that's, uh, you know, that's what led me to Indianapolis when I, when we met in 2011. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I represented Team Mexico at one point in my career, uh, the Indiana Invaders, which they're more like a sponsor uh, club. And... Uh, Retired, you can say, from competitive track and field in 2012 uh, after after the Olympic trials for Team Mexico, and um, uh, got a job, you know, uh, you know, and then 
a year, two years later, realized that, you know, that's, you know, that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Mm. Uh, my, my major in college was business management. Um, and, uh, you know, realized that I, I, I wanted to be a coach. You know, I, I, I miss the sport a lot so much that the only, the only way you can get back to it is actually, in my case, was by coaching. So mm-hmm. started coaching at Robert Morris University in Chicago for two years then. Uh, uh, left uh, a paying job to become a volunteer at uh, Northern Illinois University. Because mm. uh, I don't know if you, if, you, if you guys will know, but, you know, to get to the Division One level, you had to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ask some of the, some of the best co- some of the best coaches in the U.S., you know, at one point they had to volunteer also. So, you know, NIU, two years volunteering, uh, paid off because it brought me here to Bowling Green to uh, uh, as the men's cross-country coach at Bowling Green. And I'm also an assistant coach for the women's program uh, mm. do- during the track season. So this is my seventh year now coaching at the collegiate level. And wow. this is this is my fifth year at Division One. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So what uh, what were the steps like? to get that first coaching job? Like, were, were you sending out resumes all over or were you trying to stay pretty targeted in around that Chicago area? You know, for, for me, uh, uh, and I think it's, you know, with, just with anything, it's who you know. Um, mm. One of my high school friends, a good friend of mine, Paul Sabala, he was a head coach at Robert Morris. And, uh, you know, he was one of the ones that kept asking me, hey, you should coach, you should give it a try. And, and uh, you know, finally gave it a shot and he brought me as an assistant coach. So I didn't, I actually didn't have to interview for the job. He just offered me the job mm-hmm. uh, because I had, I brought in the middle distance uh, experience from being an athlete. For and sure. he's, he was more of a distance coach at that time. Mm-hmm. So he, he needed someone that brought, that, that will come in with some middle distance experience. And that's how I started. Um, and, uh, you know, as you, as you try to move up in this, uh, in this field of uh, college coaching, uh, it's very competitive. Uh, you know, when a job opens up, there are 200, 300 coaches applying <laughs> for the same job, you know. So, yeah, it's very competitive and it's all who you know. I've, I've, I learned that, you know, uh, over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just networking. I try to network as much as possible and uh make connections and uh foster those relationships with people that i meet so for sure yeah that's awesome so uh is is coaching your dream job now now that you've been doing it for a while like do you is this all you want to do absolutely i mean i i I just i I can't i cannot see myself doing anything else yeah uh, besides coaching you know it's uh uh you know, I, again, like I tried the corporate jobs, you know, after I retired from track and field in 2012. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was something was missing in life, you know, where uh, uh, I didn't have the passion to do those type of jobs. And I feel like with coaching, uh, it's almost like you don't work, you know, it's, it doesn't feel like a job. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think that's the best part of it. You know, uh, obviously, you know, there's a lot. It's, it's, it, I'm not saying it's an easy job, but it's definitely not uh, something as stressful as, you know, I see some people that might make a lot of money, you know, but 
they're always stressed out and mm-hmm. they're always complaining about stuff, you know. And uh, I wake up Monday morning at 6 a.m. to go to practice and with a smile on my face, you know. And, <laughs> and that's, to me, that's success, you know, in life. Oh, when, yeah. When, when, you get, when you get to say you can do that, uh, regardless of how much you get paid. But, as, you know, I love, I love what I do, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, when you... When you're part of a team, like you said, you started running in like high school, like being part of a team, like that community, that camaraderie, that that can become such a huge part of your life. And as soon as you don't have that, it does feel like something's missing. Exactly. You know, uh, to, again, 2012, after the Olympic trials, you know, it was, uh, I, you know, I, I, I almost wanted to be done at that time because uh, I, I think I got to a point where. I was getting a little burned out from, you know, I was, I, I have been running since I was uh, 15 years old, you know, mm-hmm. so that, that, that was a lot of years competing and raining, running, training, uh, and, you know, you're done and, uh, you know, you're like any other person, right, just living life, uh, <laughs> living life almost too, 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 too much to the fullest, you know, <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's, it was a lot of fun, but it got to a point where, I had to ask myself, like, like, who am I? Like, like, because mm-hmm. running was track and field was such a big part of my life that when I didn't have that, uh, something was missing. And, you know, some, and I feel like I had to find who I was, you know, with, without the sport, without track and field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually coaching kind of brought me back to it, uh, helped me find that, you know, my identity, you know. For yeah. sure. Yeah, that's such a... If you don't know who you are, then like how how are you going to be happy with what you're doing? Exactly. Right? So. And you know, you you always see those you know professional athletes, you know, when making announce, you know, when they announce their retirement. Obviously, I wasn't making that much money, or I was not like that that much of a professional athlete. But you know, you can relate to in a way. I I could relate to how they felt when they mm-hmm. you know this is it. Like there's no no more. Like uh, I'm. Technically, you retire because you were too old to play or compete at the highest level mm-hmm. uh, because of age, obviously. And so, yeah, it, it was it was uh, definitely a, a, a tough experience. But you know, it's you, you you know just like anything in life, you you learn and you move on. Yeah, and you had so much experience. Like, like now you get to share that with the you know with the next generation of runners. So. It's not going to waste. You get to you get to recycle that quality into into your athletes, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I was you know uh, I tell my guys all the time, my cross country guys, you know, li- live in the present. You know, li- live right now. We're, what we're trying to accomplish right now. Don't think about the things you want to do your senior year or after college. You know, sometimes you get I get kids that you know start talking to me about hey would you coach me after college you know i want to try to make the olympics or something you know just crazy dreams you know which i mm-hmm. love you know i like crazy mm-hmm. i like when they think crazy like that uh but at the same time you you know you had to you know bring these kids you know uh you know let them know that hey just live right now and enjoy the present because uh, there's a very good chance that after your running career your college career uh ends uh, you're not gonna sign a shoe contract. You know, <laughs> uh, the only thing you're gonna have is a college degree, and you're gonna get a job. And when you realize, 
the, there's no more uh, trips, you know, with the team uh, mm. to cross country meets. You know, that's that's when it's gonna hit you. And so I, I remind them, every, you know, when whenever I can, just enjoy what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity. Exactly. Yeah, as soon as you don't have it, you you miss it. Like there, I totally remember that. Like there were times where I hated being on the bus. I'm like, I don't want to get on this bus again. Like we'd have these soggy subway sandwiches like that's what we had to eat on our way to meet sometimes like there's times where it's just like i don't want to do this anymore and now i'm like man i wish you know just to go back and hang out with all my friends like we didn't have a you know care in the world like we were just enjoying life in the moment you know and it's little things like that that you Mm -hmm. you know you can't relive that exactly yeah I hear you. But so what is uh what's your like general coaching philosophy? Like what do you what do you consider your your primary role or focus um coaching your athletes? Uh well I I I truly believe like my main job as a coach uh is uh well at least at that collegiate level, you know, which where I coach uh my main job is to help the guys that I coach to help them be the best they can be, uh, both academically and athletically. Right? That's that's what we college coaches. We coach student athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I really believe that's my main goal. Is if I can help these kids uh, every year, you know, from the freshman year to the senior year, uh, uh, to be the best they can be, uh, then I'm then I did my job. Whether whether they improve two seconds or one minute from their high school times to their to the end of their college careers, you know, that's as long as they're better. And, you know, more than anything, as long as, uh, you know, as long as I know that I mentor them uh, to be uh, productive individuals in society after college, then, you know, I feel like I did my job. Uh, in terms of training, uh, I mean, it just depends. It just depends what events you coach. You know, just like the middle distance compared to a 10 kilometers, it's gonna be a different training philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some things, you know, some things that doesn't that don't change regardless of the event that we that I coach is uh, mainly just creating consistency through training. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I if if I if I can keep my guys healthy for a full year. Uh, you know that's gonna pay big dividends uh, by the time you know if, when freshman year if, they, if I can keep them healthy for a whole year, uh, but the sophomore year they're gonna have a big a bigger year, and mm-hmm. so on junior senior year. So just creating consistency uh, that's huge. Uh, uh, you know for me that's part of my philosophy. What I try to focus, uh, you know, just building relationships with them. Uh, you, you got the you. The people that you coach, they have they have to be able to trust you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I can only push these kids as much as they trust me. Like, because what if, if I'm trying to push them way too hard, but there's no trust? What makes me think they're gonna go to go to a race and run it, you know, as hard mm-hmm. as they can? Mm-hmm. So you know, it's, sometimes it's not just about you know taking times in a in a workout, taking their splits. It's it's a, it's, it's it's really about building relationships with these kids and. Uh, you know, maybe hopefully one day when they get married, they invite me to their wedding or something like that. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So that's that's what I try to focus on with coaching. Gotcha. So, 
are do you kind of have a a specialty within the uh, the middle distances that you really like to coach, or is it just anything in that realm? Like you love it all. Like do you do you have that one race where you're like, yes, this is day hundred, day hundred, the two yeah, lap tango. The, yeah, I, I feel like. <laughs> You know, the 800, the 1500, I, I, I feel like I can coach those two events with my eyes closed. Like, I don't have to try too hard to coach them mm-hmm. versus, like, uh, I mean, because I, I can coach anywhere from 800 meters to a marathon. Uh, but I feel like when I'm, uh, I do personal coaching on the side also, uh, mm-hmm. like mar- marathoners. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the training that I, for me to come up with workouts for the marathon, uh, sometimes I had to do a little more research, uh, maybe mm-hmm. read more books, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just teach myself a little more, a little better for those mm-hmm. events. But with the 800, 1500, I, you know, I raced those events my whole career, the whole career. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but I would say the 800, that's my favorite event. Yeah. 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 That was, that was my favorite in high school. And, uh, Two laps, you're done, you know. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. that. It's that simple. It's that easy. You just, yeah. you know, just run one lap really fast, and then do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an ex, it's an extended sprint. That's what it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, like if if you ask if you ask the 400 athlete to move up to the eight, they're not gonna they don't want to do that. No. <laughs> or, or or me as a coach, if I try to move a 400 guy to an 800, they they they're hesitant, you know, they they question it. Uh, and if you ask a 1500 athlete to move down to the 800, you know, same thing, you know. Uh, so that's why, you know, I always think that the pure 800 athletes, those are the best 800 athletes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, versus when you try to move someone from a 400 or bring somebody down from a 1500, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it doesn't work. So, yeah. so some of the best 800 athletes in the in, you know in the world uh, in history have have that's all they've done just 800 meters and yeah. they're successful because they love that event you know mm-hmm. yeah there's i think that's that's really interesting and unique that uh yeah the the idea is like oh well you're good at the 400 but maybe you're not like the best at the 400 so let's just throw some more training volume at you and you'll be great at the 800. Like it's, it doesn't always work that way. That's like, no, yep. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's so. hard. It's hard to convince those kids, you know, to move up to the eight. Uh, but you know, sometimes as a coach, you got, you have, it's not like you're forcing them, but you, you know, at the end of the day, you, you, you're kind of in charge of the team, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, if, uh, and again, that's when, that's when building relationships with these kids plays, you know, uh, pays, pays off because if if they trust you and you tell them you know you're gonna be a great 800 athlete you know let's move up to the eight you know they're gonna believe you and they're gonna do that for you mm-hmm. uh, but if they don't trust you that you know it's gonna be hard to convince them for sure yeah like just telling somebody hey you should do this event you'd be good at it like, oh, what do you know you don't know me like well but if exactly. you have that if you have that relationship then they're like oh okay well all right i'll give it a try and if they buy in and they know that you're committed to seeing them do their absolute best, and mm-hmm. then they're probably going to do pretty well. So, um, let's see. So, what are some things that that you do personally to make yourself as effective as possible as a coach? 
of you know uh, le- uh, reading uh, reading books, uh, doing some research about you know what are some things that other successful coaches are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not so much in terms of uh, what workouts are they doing, mm-hmm. um, but more so uh, uh, w- w- what's the thinking behind what they do. You know mm-hmm. uh, why they do certain workouts at, uh, at x x time of the season of the year. Mm-hmm. So I just trying to learn as much as I can. Uh, you know I, I actually had had that. The chance to meet uh, Joe Vigil. He's arguably one of the best uh, middle distance distance track coaches in the U.S. in U.S. history. Oh, yeah. uh, he he coached Adam State for so many years. Won uh, NCAA titles. I don't know how many he won. Uh, that is that many. It's that yeah. many. <laughs> um, but I actually met the guy, you know, at, uh, in Chicago for an event, for a private event, and I had a 20-minute conversation with him and just you wow. know pick his brain as much as I could that, you know, took advantage of the opportunity. And, you know, that was one of, you know, I asked him a question, the question, like, you know, what, what advice would you give a a young coach like, you know, like me, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, starting to coach? And he said, you know, just learn as much as you can, like never stop learning. Even, even when you make it to the top, you know, like keep, keep learning, you know, keep, Mm -hmm. keep, keep doing things, you know, that are going to make a better coach, you know, and, for me, also, you know, I, I go to coaches conventions. Uh, so at, at the collegiate level, we have a coaches convention every, uh, every year in December, uh, where uh, you know it's, it's it's a chance to go and meet coaches there. And you know, sometimes uh, you sit down with them and you know just start having conversations about training. You know, what kind of things do they do? You know, you compare it to what you do with your team, and uh, so. Yeah, uh, reading, uh, networking, uh, mm-hmm. you know, getting advice from my mentors. You know, I, I have a, uh, I have the privilege to have uh, uh, one of my mentors. Uh, his name is Gary Wilson. Uh, he coached at uh, University of Minnesota for so many years. Uh, he won Big Ten titles back in the day. Uh, and you know, I, it's it's nice to have that type of mentor where. Uh, if I have a question, if I'm questioning something in my uh, in my training, I can always ask this guy, and mm-hmm. you know he'll pick up his phone and talk to me. You know, so that's pretty cool. You know, especially yeah. for a guy like him. You know, so mm-hmm. so yeah, just try to learn as much as I can. You know, never stop learning. Yeah, that's well, that's good advice for everybody. Like as soon as you as soon as you think you know enough, like you're probably gonna get beat. Like. Yeah, you became complacent, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, you know, we, we don't do the same thing every year in training. Like, you know, we try to keep the same uh, uh, faces, you know, like phase one, phase two, phase three. And uh, what am I, what am I trying to accomplish during each phase of the season? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't do the, sa- the exact same workouts, you know, uh, mm-hmm. every year. So I, I try to change things because if we do the same workouts and, you know, we're going to run the same as the la- year before. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you 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 gotta make some changes uh, and be able to adapt. I think. Yeah, it's that's one of the things that I love about the human body is it's so good at adapting. But, exactly. But if you are always just re- like introducing the same type of stress or the exact same stressor, it's like eh, I'm already good at this. Why would I need to adapt? Like you, yep, you need. You need consistency, but you also need variety. Like, 
So I think that's that's a really good way of of kind of looking at it from a big picture. Like the end result of what you're looking for is still the same. Like the goal of the phase is still the same, but the way you get there, like you've got to have that variety. So I love that. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Sweet. So what are like what do you see kind of on a on a day-to-day basis as far as like uh, what's what are the most important things that you're focusing on day-to-day? Uh, you know, just just do, doing every doing everything that we have scheduled for the day uh, uh, on a daily basis. Uh, doing uh, re- recovery modalities. You know, we gotta mm-hmm. be able to recover every day. Uh, so uh, every day, everything we do has a purpose. You know, whether it's if it's an easy run, the purpose of the run is to run easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if it's a recovery run, which you know the, the day after a hard workout, uh, that's the purpose of the day is to recover. Then that's gonna be my main focus uh, to make sure they're not overrunning an easy run because mm-hmm. then they're not recovering. Therefore, there's no training adaptations taking place if they're not recovering. Mm-hmm. So just paying a lot of attention to those details, you know, like college kids, they don't, they, they don't see it that way. You know, they want to go hard all the time. They want to mm-hmm. run fast all the time. <laughs> they think the faster they run every day, the better they're going to get. So mm-hmm. as a coach, you had, you had to educate them that that's not how it works. You know, uh, the really elite division one programs, you know, th- that's what they do. They, they focus on, uh, on a daily basis on those little details, mm-hmm. uh, recovering, uh, run easy when you have to run easy and run hard when you have to run hard. Uh, and I, like we were talking about, your body adapts. You know, you you uh, you you stress them with something and it's going to adapt eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but again, the recovery piece is huge at this level or just in any, in any level. Is yeah. So that's that's what I try to focus on a daily basis. Uh, make sure we're doing what we're supposed to do uh, for that specific day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like when you see a movie like Without Limits or when you when you hear about Steve Prefontaine, when you hear about these these guys who we really didn't know what their day to day training was like. We only heard about the crazy workouts that they would do. Mm -hmm. We we only heard about the really, really hard stuff. It's like, oh, well, they must have been doing that every day. And that's how they got better. Well, no, probably not. Like they were, they're either, okay, either they were so far on one end of the spectrum where they were just genetic freaks and it didn't matter how they were training, they were going to be good. Or more likely their training was programmed correctly and they had good coaches who were making sure that they weren't overtraining and that they were taking time off when they needed to or reducing that stress when they needed to. So that they could adapt, and uh, I think, thankfully, that's changing. That that whole idea that you just you've got to go hard every day. Um, it's you're gonna burn out. You're not gonna you're not gonna get faster. You're gonna get injured, and then you're gonna not enjoy the sport. So um, it's just like everything else in life. You've got a there's a time and a place for it, and you've got to you know you got to approach it correctly. So. 
Yeah, I mean, and the scary part is that there are actually there are actually coaches out there who who believe the more they do, the faster they run every day, the better. Like that's mm. crazy to think that there are some coaches out there who think that. Uh, and again, you know, yeah, but you know, uh, when their athletes get hurt, you know, then uh, who is to blame for that? You know, it's, uh, so so yeah, it's 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 uh, it's. You got you got to be pay attention to all, all those little details as a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the emphasis on recovery, like I consider that, you know, like that's 50% of the equation. Like you apply the stress and then you either reduce or you remove the stress and that's how you get the adaptation. And there's definitely times in a season where you're applying more stress and focusing a little less on the recovery aspect just because there's times where you may have to accumulate a lot of volume. Like your goal Mm -hmm. is just, we've got to get miles. But if you're trying to do that at the end of the season, like, sorry, you're probably not going to end up, you know, doing the things that you want to when it comes to your time on the clock and your place at the finish. So, yeah. um, I mean, you know, there's, there are some, you know, things like, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, threshold threshold workouts you know you, mm-hmm. you you can't really overtrain with tre- with tempo work threshold workouts you know um uh so if if if, if that's what you got to do uh for one year just doing tempo runs threshold workouts uh you're gonna get very strong and you're gonna be with a lot of endurance that way mm-hmm. uh the, the the tricky part comes when with the with the um Whenever you start doing a lot of anaerobic uh, uh, work, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of speed work, so mm-hmm. there's there's every athlete has X amount of speed workouts they can only do in one season, uh, and if you start overdoing those uh, more than you're supposed to, uh, then that's when yeah, that's what the, I feel I feel like that's when you burn out. Uh, uh, it happens mostly when you burn out from uh, doing a lot of anaerobic uh, type of work. Yeah, yeah, it's like you're you're redlining your your engine in a car like it's gonna yeah you're gonna, you're gonna burn it up right so i i totally agree with that i think um if you're doing too much training volume i think that's where you're probably going to get more overuse injury but if you're exactly. doing if you're doing too much uh like you said anaerobic work or like speed work that's where you're going to get like just your nervous system's gonna get tapped out. You're not gonna feel fresh, and you're you're gonna get more burned out. I think you get more frustrated from doing too much speed work, but you get more overuse injury from just doing too much volume. And it's it's finding that marriage of what's the perfect amount for both of both for the individual athlete. So, but but I mean a good example like just to give uh, something that I do uh, throughout the whole year. Uh, we do speed development type of workouts uh, every Monday, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know, by speed development I mean uh, like four by one fifties and mile pace or mile effort. I don't even time them. It just they just gotta be a, a, based on effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some accelerations, uh, but it's everything is with a lot of recovery. Where uh, we're just te- we're just reminding the we're just reminding our body the body that you are. Um, uh, that you have the speed. You know, mm-hmm. what happens is if, if you, I feel like a lot of times coaches, 
they do all this tempo work, all this threshold work throughout the season, uh, endurance, strength endurance work. Uh, and then when uh, a week or two weeks before the championship comes, you know, they start doing speed work. <laughs> and I'm like, and I think about how, like, well, that's how your athletes are going to pull a hamstring because they've never run fast the whole season. Are you trying to make it run fast a week before a championship? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's why I try to focus on doing speed work, doing some type of speed, uh, short intervals uh, with a lot of recovery uh, throughout the year uh, where, you know, we start with the speed development workouts, like four, one, four by 150s and... Uh, you know, then they go out. On, then they go out and do do an easy run, and that's on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we do that the whole season. So when it's time to do more speed work, more real speed work, uh, uh, four or five weeks before the the conference championships, uh, now these kids are used to running fast. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't have to worry about them uh, aggravating Achilles tendons or or uh, you know hamstrings or you know all those muscles that you have to use when you got to sprint or run faster. Yeah, no, I think that's, it's so much easier to maintain it. And then for a lot of these guys who shift from cross country to like the shorter events or the shorter middle distance events, like indoor track and then outdoor track, like there's so much less transition because they're already doing a little bit of, of that effort pace, that mile effort pace, which I think is great. Like, I always, uh, in college, I ran my fastest when we were when we were doing 150s or 200s mm-hmm. around my mile pace. Um, even though you know we're training for 8k or, or 10k, so um, at the end of the day, even if you're racing 10k, it may come down to a sprint at the end. And it does. <laughs> yeah. It's still a race, right? So you you don't want to get to that point where every single place matters and all your athletes are like slow slow uh-huh. down down the the last stretch because everybody else is just they've got some speed and they've been maintaining it or they've been working on it consistently so yeah if you, if you don't use it you'll lose it and it's way easier to maintain than it is to try to catch up right at the end of the season so i love that yeah, I mean, you also got to keep in mind uh, uh, speed, uh, a, a speed work or a speed development work can mean different things for different athletes. Mm. Uh, for that, for the 10K athlete, uh, you know, for the cross country 8K, 10K type, uh, a speed development workout is gonna be, you know, four four by 150s at mile effort, you know, uh, versus. Uh, my 800 athletes, 1500 athletes, their speed work is gonna mean uh, maybe two to three by 150s, but a 400 effort. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, you see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's, speed is gonna mean different things for depending on which profile of athlete you are. You know? Gotcha. So when you're when you're developing like a like your training program, let's say you're setting up everything for for your first or second phase, third phase, doesn't matter. Uh, you're developing that. Do you have like individual athletes in mind or do you have like the individual uh, racing profile? Like, so for my my 800 runners, they're gonna be doing this type of workout. My, my you know, 
5K runners, they're going to be doing this, and then my my true cross-country 10K marathon type runners, they're going to be doing this type of setup. Or is it just kind of like everybody's doing relatively the same thing and you adjust kind of on the fly? Uh, no, everything everything is planned. Uh, so uh, we, tr- we try to do the same work as, as much as possible, you know, to create a... a, a a team uh, environment, you know, like mm-hmm. you're part of a team. Uh, has for the middle distance athlete has it gets, you know, has it gets closer towards late November, December. Uh, I would say November, December. Then we start getting more specific middle distance workouts, uh, where they they're probably not gonna be doing the workouts that a cross country athlete is doing anymore. Mm-hmm. But early in the season, like for example, phase phase one. Uh, it's going to be very similar whether you're an 800 guy or a 10K guy. Because uh, mm-hmm. what you're doing is just building mileage, building volume, uh, mm-hmm. getting stronger, building endurance. Uh, so we do the same workouts, just uh, uh, at a different intensity and different volume. So, for example, if my if my cross-country guys have to do six by one mile, then my middle distance guys are going to be doing four by one mile instead. Uh, gotcha. So we just, we, just cut, we just cut it shorter. Uh, mm-hmm. For for the sometimes we even we even just cut it to one kilometers for the middle distance kids that mm-hmm. that might not be able to handle a full mile uh, that many times. Yeah. So it's more about it's for me it's more about making sure that what I give my athletes they're gonna be able to to finish it uh, and uh, if I can create this consistency in doing workouts. Uh, you know, for a, for a long period of time, it creates confidence. You know, the mm-hmm. more confident you are, because you've been doing so much more training, then uh, confidence is everything at this level. Uh, I, to- so. I totally agree with that. Like, it's way better to be able to check off that you finished a workout, even if it was maybe. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's you're right. It's just it's better to be able to complete it. Than it is to be like, oh, man, I had this, I had to stop early today. Yeah, I still, I was running faster than, you know, than I ever have, and I'm in really good shape, but I, I just couldn't finish today. If you, if you get a lot of those back to back, that's, that's gotta be a little hit to the ego. And when you Mentally. show up, on, yeah, on race day, that's, you're probably gonna be like, man, I, it's gonna be in the back of your mind. I mean, but all that, those but that's, workouts I didn't finish. Yeah, and, and you know, I think as a coach, that's where. Like you, you have to know your athletes. You know exactly, uh, you know w- what they're capable of. Uh, and even even when it comes to racing, I always tell I always tell my guys, you know, you, I'm not asking you to do something out of this world today in this race. Just just do what you're capable of. Just do what you've been doing in workouts. And you know that just that just that just eases eases up the nerves. You know before a race when you mm-hmm. when they hear. That hey, I, all I gotta do is just run what I'm capable of today, and uh, I got it. You know, I got this. So, so uh, yeah, that's what I, that's what I focus on uh, when it comes to planning training. Uh, uh, obviously, every every phase is different. You know, you you're trying to build more endurance strength early in the season, uh, or you know, actually you do a strength endurance for a cross country season the whole season. Because we're we're endurance athletes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so you don't want to abandon that part of training. The only thing that changes is more, uh, you know, there's uh, mid uh, mid October to uh, early November, uh, uh, we start doing more uh, sub race based work, 
uh, race-based work, uh, uh, BO2 max type of workouts, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So what are, uh, what are some things that you're currently reading or learning right now? Uh, you know, I, I, I was at a coaches convention last year and, uh, one of the speakers, uh, he, he's got a book, uh, and, uh, it's called, uh, lead for God's sake. So it's a book about leadership, you know, uh, it's mainly for coaches, uh, for a coach. Oh, and you know, I think it's just for anybody like a parent, a teacher, uh, personal trainer. Uh, it just, uh, it's more about just finding, uh, finding who you are as a coach, as a leader, mm-hmm. and how, how to how to lead people to uh, uh, to get what you want to accomplish. Pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, it's a great book. I love it. Um, uh, uh, I'm looking for something new, so we'll see what I, we'll see what I can find. Yeah, <laughs> see what catches your eye. Yeah, yeah, it's a great book. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm always looking for you know for good stuff to read, so I'll check that out. Um, do you, do you prefer like, uh, like physical books or do you like audio books? Do you like podcasts? Like what's, what's your primary form of, of, uh, of ingesting information? I think it just depends. Uh, like if I'm in my office or at home, I like, like the physical book, you know, like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm still old school, like, you know, as far as technology, <laughs> I, I like, you know, I like to buy the book and. Uh, make notes in it, write stuff in it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when, uh, if I'm, if I'm going recruiting on a weekend, if I'm going to be on the road for three, four hours, then, you know, like a podcast or, uh, an audio book is perfect because then I can just listen to it and, you know, actually, uh, making recruiting calls at that time too, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the more, the more work, the more work I can get in those four hours of a road trip, the, be- the better for me. For sure. So, so it just depends, you know, uh, where I am, I guess. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, uh, what what advice would you give for, let's say, a high school athlete who, um, you know, they they don't know what the recruiting process is like. So, how how does somebody like reach out to a college coach uh, for a program that they're interested in? Like, what's What's your advice to somebody who wants to compete in college? Um, well, I'm, I'm, you know, like nowadays, every every college, every university is going to have an athletics website. Uh, you know, I would I would recommend to go to the to go to their website of, of that school they're interested in. Um, go to the sports page, and uh, most most schools are going to have. Uh, uh, a section where you can you can submit a rec- recruiting questionnaire. Uh, that's that's how we get recruits information in our system, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how we start the recruiting process. Uh, I mean, but sometimes you know I get emails uh, from recruits that just write me a, a direct email to me, mm-hmm. saying they're interested. Uh, you know, they talk uh, they talk about the training, uh, like how many miles they run a week, uh, what high school they compete. Uh, so there's, there's, there's a few different ways, you know, so in, but yeah, just find out what, 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 uh, what are the standards to walk on the team also, mm-hmm. uh, just to save their time, you know, and, uh, uh, because if they don't have those standards, it's going to be hard for the college coaches, uh, to, uh, 
to start the recruiting process. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm talking more for the Division One, the Division One level. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, every school, every Division One program is going to have a walk-on standard. Uh, or like a scholar, what kind of times do you need to to be to be considered for a scholarship? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I would say I would say probably do the research, you know, and see which what schools you uh, 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 you might have those times to uh, to be a walk-on or a scholarship athlete. Um, you know, and if not, then you know if you, if sometimes you know I I I like getting those emails from those kids who. You know, who are passionate and you know they they just want a chance. They just want an opportunity. Uh, mm-hmm. They might not have the times, you know, but they're close to it. But I can I can sense by the way they write how mature they are. If, if they're good teammates, uh, mm-hmm. if they're passionate, if they're willing to work hard. And sometimes those are the best kids to coach and to recruit uh, because you know they might not they might not show the, their full potential at the high school level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I have, if my instinct tells me that I can coach him and make it better, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I will reply and respond and try, try to get those kids. Yeah. Awesome. So this has been so great, man. So how can somebody reach out to you? Let's say they want to ask you a question, um, or they want to, um, they want to run something by you, or they just want to follow you. What's the, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, I the only social media that I have is um, uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook. I would say I would say probably Instagram would be the best one. Uh, uh, my username is uh, Juan Fer three forty five, so I spell it. Uh, it's J U A N F E R three four five. So that's my username at Instagram, uh, and then Facebook is just my name, Juan Carrillo. Um, I mean, I don't know if I can give email or is that, is that fine too? Or that's fine. I've had other I've had other guests do it. So I don't I don't post the email, but in the description I include like the the Instagram and stuff like that, so it's easy for people to find. But if you want to throw your email out there, it's completely up to you. I mean, I think Instagram Instagram for sure for sure they they'll be able to find me. And yeah, if somebody has a question or you know wants to uh, run some ideas, you know, like I said. It's, I always try to learn from other people too, and you know, mm-hmm. if people want to learn from me, that that'll be that's awesome. Yeah, I think one of the most uh, beneficial ways to make sure that you understand the concept is to be able to explain it to somebody else. And so exactly. that's like I love when people ask me questions because most of the time I'm not like oh, I'm too busy or I'm too tired. Like I'm like, all right, here's my opportunity to prove that. I actually do understand this and be able to explain it in a way that anybody can understand it. Um, I feel like that, that helps keep me sharp. So yeah, so, I hear you. So what is, what's a parting piece of advice you have for anybody listening right now? A piece of advice. Um, oh man. Um, <laughs> I would say, you know, I would say just, you know, just, Follow your passion, you know. Follow what you know. What you you know. If there's something you're passionate about, um, go for it. Uh, I mean, if you're asking me, I'm an idealist, you know. That's that's how that's that's how I think. Uh, you know, whatever makes you happy, what moves you, uh, find what moves you and and follow it. Go. Uh, 
go 100% at it and don't look back, you know, because the minute you start questioning, the minute you, you know, uh, you if you only put in 50% into it, then that's what you're going to get, 50%. So, um, you know, buy in 100% and don't look back. Yeah. Well, just yeah. follow your passion. There's too many people out there doing jobs that they hate. Like, find something you love. Like, ah. I and, you know, people, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, it's, you know, and it's easy to say, like, find something, you know, something to do that you love. You know, and for some people, that might not come later in their lives. You know, mm-hmm. uh, for me, coaching didn't come until I was uh, 30 years old. Actually, I was 30 mm-hmm. when I started coaching. Wow. Versus, uh, in coaching world, I'm, you know, for my you're, age. You're late, man. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> most coaches start coaching, you know, right after college, uh, mm-hmm. which is what well, you're 22 after college. Mm-hmm. So when I started coaching, people my age, they already had like, you know, like seven, eight years of experience ahead of me. <laughs> so, but you know, that's you know, it, it, everyone is gonna be different, you know, it, it, what they what they end up doing for the rest of their lives, and uh, when you find it, just let don't let it go, just keep. You know, keep at it. Awesome. Well, Juan, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. I know everybody who's watching or listening is, has enjoyed it and has learned something. And uh, I can't wait to have you on again in the future to ask you more questions and talk more stuff and reminisce about old times in Indianapolis. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the I good remember, times. Yeah, man, I remember quite a few times uh, – Meeting up with you to to have a little tequila and mezcal at uh at the restaurant you were working at and yeah and uh, yeah Those, going going all over Indianapolis. What was uh what was that one place we'd go to in Broad Ripple every once in a while? Do some salsa dancing. Oh, the Jazz Kitchen. Yeah. The Jazz Kitchen. Yeah. yeah. Thursday nights. That was Thursday nights. <laughs> I still remember. Yeah, man, I have such good memories hanging out with you and all the other guys. Um, I, I really appreciate it, even though I was like, I was not, you know, an athlete on the team, but I was basically the same age as you guys, and I was, you know, there basically just to help out and, um, you know, mostly mostly rehab Nate, but you know, anyone else that wanted to work on their their strength and conditioning, uh, and like you and Ricky and a couple other guys were, were like, yeah, like if it's going to help, let's do it. So I really appreciated you guys kind of, you know, allowing me to be part of the team. It was a really, really good experience for me. And I'm, I loved my time in Indianapolis. So me too, man. No, those, those were good times. You know, I, I definitely, you know, enjoy those times we hang out and, you know, uh, hopefully soon we get to, uh, you know, uh, meet up sometime and catch up, you know, for sure. For sure. Well, this has been great. Um, thanks for, uh, for watching and listening to everybody go and follow Juan right now. And, uh, if you have any questions, be sure to reach out to him and stay tuned for next week's episode. Thanks y'all.